there and welcome. This is Amanda, the founder of Astrology Hub, and you're listening to our week ahead snapshot with world-class astrologer, historian, and author of the cosmic calendar, Christopher Renstrom. This show is designed to give you a quick overview of the week ahead, enabling you the gift of choice in how you navigate and weave these energies into your daily life. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Christopher Renstrom, and I'm your weekly horoscope columnist here on Astrology Hub. And this week, I wanted to talk to you about the solar eclipse in Taurus taking place on April 30th. Taurus is a wonderful sign. It is the sign that is connected to the heart of spring, when uh, basically flowers are blooming and plants are looking most verdant. And essentially, it's the time of year, uh, April 20th to about roughly May 20th, when spring has sprung. So everything associated to Taurus is is verdant. Everything associated to Taurus is lush. Uh, Taurus puts us in mind of those marvelously Arcadian days of, uh, of ancient times when shepherds tended their flocks and fruit could be grasped from the trees and everyone was living in peace and holistically with life here on earth. So this is the time of year that is associated with the zodiac sign of Taurus. And Taurians are uh, basically uh, people that are associated with prosperity or with life that is growing um, or with the earth delivering its fruits or it's actually technically beginning to get towards the time when it's going to deliver its fruits. It's right before summer, so things aren't too hot, things aren't too uh, dry. Uh, This is the time of year when gardens are really springing to life and, and, as I said, when things are most verdant. Uh, Taurus is an earth sign, and all earth signs, whether it's Taurus, Virgo, or Capricorn, are associated with life here on earth. So basically, life here on earth is is a life in which you uh, have to work, uh, in which you have to toil, uh, in which you are uh, working towards uh, basically harvesting the crops or the fruits of your labor. So all earth signs are associated with the body, all earth signs are associated with money, and all earth signs are, most importantly, associated with producing something of your efforts, okay? Uh, Other zodiac signs might talk about the things that they're going to do one day, or or imagine the things that they're going to do, or or maybe uh, plan with someone uh, things that, that they hope to accomplish, but the earth signs Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, the earth signs are not happy unless they have produced something that can be weighed in the palm of your hand at the end of the day. And usually that thing that can be weighed in the palm of your hand at the end of the day is money. Okay, so this is something that's very important to the earth signs. Now, of all three earth signs, Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, of all three earth signs, the earth sign that is the most comfortable with money, the most comfortable 
in its own skin. The most comfortable with being physical without apology is a Taurus. And so that's why I often asso associate Taurus as being the most optimistic of all the earth signs. The other two earth signs, Virgo and Capricorn, uh, tend to be more um, focused on the problems, the trials and the difficulties of living uh, in this world and the things that you have to do to make something work. Taurus almost seems to have this very innocent uh, ability to apply itself to toil and to hard work and to become successful at it. Um, it's, 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 it's a zodiac sign that's very successful <laughs> at whatever it really applies itself to. And I think Taurus also has a real love of of money. Now that might sound a little bit like mm, love of money. You know, does that mean that Taurus is very materialistic and 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 and, and guarding over over the things that it produces, over the money that it makes? And actually, what I found with working with Taurus over the years is that the love of money comes from the simple fact that Taurus is really good at making it, and so um, there isn't a tendency to be. Uh, uh, guarded about it or to be tight with it or anything along those lines, Taurus can actually be rather benevolent about uh, about money and 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 will and will uh, spend it, but it always points to how hard it worked for it or if it's taken friends out to a meal, it will hold up the bill uh, and say, um, I'm treating, but look at how much money I'm spending on all of you tonight. Okay, so so there's always sort of that reminder that Taurus has that that um, you know that that it worked really hard and that it's being very generous, but it wants you to know how how generous it's being actually in terms of the dollar amount. So there's that the, that side to Taurus, but Taurus really does have a green thumb. It has a green thumb with the garden, and it has a green thumb with the green, meaning money. These are things that it just naturally is very good at. So when we talk about Taurus, we're really talking about the sort of pastoral uh, view of the world, uh, a world that is lush, a world that is coming to life. Uh, actually, it's a world that is bursting with life. Uh, you, you, summer is around the corner, so it's about to produce things, but this is a time when, when it's just sort of celebrating life and the growth of life um, with, with an anticipation towards the abundance, the abundance of summer, which is the season that follows spring. Nevertheless, when we really think about Taurus, and when we really think about the image of the bull, which is what Taurus is, it, the bull is a very complex figure. Uh, when when you really think about it. First of all, when you look at it astrologically, it's a bit of a, huh? Uh, because we know that Taurus is a feminine sign. It's an earth sign. So all uh, earth signs are feminine. So um, something that used to make people sort of like laugh at astrologers was hearing like Taurus the bull is a feminine sign. Well, to anyone who's um, familiar with bulls, there's nothing remotely feminine about a bull. It's very masculine. Okay, so so that was always something that would give a little chuckle uh, to to people hearing that. Oh, Taurus is a feminine sign. Like since when? But but the bull, nevertheless, is a complex figure. On one hand, it is masculine, it is strong, and it 
is sturdy. Uh, so so we, we associate stability and security to the zodiac sign of Taurus. It is also um, a bowl, can also be very uh, aggressive. And if you get a bowl riled up, it can be very angry and it can charge right at you. <clears throat> so there's a lot of power that's associated to the bowl. Uh, what you want is a bowl um, in a pastoral setting, sort of like chomping on grass and, and being very happy. But if you get a bowl angry, it will charge at you and it will get really quite aggressive. So the bowl has always had this powerful element uh, in mythology. You see the bull show up a lot in Greek mythology and in, and in a lot of tales and legends. Um, uh, but but uh, in Greek mythology, particularly, the bull is a very powerful figure. Um, in Mesopotamian mythology, uh, in the story of Inanna, um, the, the, the bull uh, is a very, very powerful uh, figure. Um, so, so here you've got this kind of like powerful can charge figure this 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 creature that which can sort of like command the turf that that it is in, in that it is in charge of but at the same time the bull um is often um a victim okay uh the bull is a victim like for instance in bullfighting uh where it goes up against a matador and will eventually end up speared and killed um the bull has since ancient times been sacrificed in rituals so it's been led um and 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 sacrificed and from its blood was was people felt uh potency and virility uh, uh poured forth poured forth from it, or the bull was reduced in power by men, by uh, mankind, by civilization, uh, turned into a beast of burden, turned into plowing the fields, and in, in modern day, uh, led to the slaughter uh, to, to, feed, uh, to, to feed people with beef and food um, and, and things along those sorts. So on one hand, we have the bull as a very powerful figure, a figure of, of, of fertility and of hard work and, and aggressive. And then on the other hand, we have the bull as being led to the slaughter. Um, and and being a foodstuff, um, and 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 of being sacrificed. So these are two ideas that I want you to sort of keep in mind as we talk a little bit more about uh, Taurus today. Now, cattle were seen as a sign of wealth in the ancient world, uh, long before stocks and bonds. It was cattle that was seen as wealth, um, and indeed the word cattle and the word chattel, both derive from the medieval uh, Latin word capital, which is where we get the word capitalism. Hmm? So the root of capitalism, caput, okay, the root caput means head. And as every rancher knows, head is the word you use when you're counting the number of cattle that you own. It goes further. Bullish is how Wall Streeters will describe the market when the price of stocks is going up. So you want a bull market. A bull market is very aggressive and it's wonderful and, and it's going to return a lot of money. Cash cow is what we call any profitable venture that produces regularly 
and with little effort, like going out and milking a cow. Okay, so so you can see that the symbol of, of Taurus, you know, the bull and, and cattle and herd, these have all been uh, associated with wealth since ancient time. So this is before you know, the affiliation with second house or anything along those lines. All the earth signs are basically associated with life here on earth and with wealth as it shows up in, in its different forms. Uh, what you have basically is uh, cattle for Taurus. Uh, you have the harvesting of the crops for uh, Virgo, and then you have mines for Capricorn. Okay, so so all of the all of the three Earth signs are associated with with uh, wealth as it appears here on 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 Earth or in our day to day life. So um, in Greek mythology, in Greek mythology, Minos was a king of Crete, and this is very interesting. Minos was a king of Crete, and he was the son of Zeus and Europa. Now, some of you may recollect the myth of uh, Zeus and Europa. Europa is a beautiful, uh, comely maiden princess who cap catches the eye of Zeus, who, you know, is like, oh, she's a, she's a comely looking maiden princess. I must seduce her. Okay. And Zeus is always seducing people, uh, nymphs princesses, young boys, Zeus is always descending from heaven and seducing and, and, and making love to, to, to people. Uh, it's, it's an allegorical representation of, of literally mixing heaven and earth in the body of Zeus. So Zeus shows up and uh, as is his wont, he, he cannot appear in his true godly form because it's too brilliant and anyone who sees him will be reduced to ashes. So what he does is that he turns himself into a white bull, all right? And um, he sort of shows up where Europa, I, I guess these princess maidens are always sort of collecting flowers or something like this. Uh, this is like what Persephone is doing. Anyway, so he shows up as this uh, white uh, studly bull, you know, very majestic. And Europa is attended by her princess friends and they're collecting flowers and they, and they see this bull who's so gentle and kind and, um, and they put garlands of flowers. It's very Torian. They put garlands of flowers on the horns of the bull and, you know, sort of chuckle and laugh, <laughs> you know, as they, as they do this, they're so innocent. And so uh, Europa sort of climbs on the back of the bull, you know, her friends are kind of like, oh, the bull genuflects to you. The bull will do your bidding. Why don't you climb on the back of the bull, Princess Europa, and, 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 and we can all celebrate this gay moment. Okay, so so she climbs on the back and, and she's like, oh, you know, I can hold his horns and things like that. He's so kind and gentle, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, and things like that. Well, they're always oh, before it takes a turn for the worse. And so what basically happens is that she she uh, sits on his back and holds to his horns and is laughing with her friends. And suddenly the bull bolt, bolts for the ocean. OK, and um, it starts galloping towards the ocean. And the friends are like, Europa, Europa. OK, and so it goes into the waves and Europa is like completely terrified and she's clinging to the horns of this bull and she's like oh my god we're going to sink or something like that but they don't sink um, instead the bull sort of like swims gallops through the ocean um, on this bright lovely sort of spring day um, and, and Europa is terrified but also full of wonder and so the bull crosses the ocean and shows up on the island of Crete um, and that is where um, 
Zeus and Europa come together um, in, in a moment of ardor, and, uh, and Europa ends up having three sons by, by Zeus. Okay, so this is one in a series of conceptions, divine conceptions, in which a mortal woman gives birth to, to a divinity or, or a half-divinity uh, a child. And so Europa gives birth to three, three sons. And um, subsequently becomes the queen of Crete. And uh, Crete becomes a very, very uh, wealthy nation in, or, 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 or city-state or island city-state uh, in ancient Greece. Um, and, and it's known for its prosperity and it's known for its wealth. And so one of her sons is Minos, okay? And um, Minos wants to be king of Crete. And so, um, in order to become king of Crete, he goes and he speaks to Poseidon, who is the god of the ocean, which surrounds the island of Crete. And he says, I would like to become the king of Crete. I beg of you to show me some sort of favor. And um, if, if you will do this, I will repay you and I will reign in your name and, 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 and be a good and wise king. Um, so Poseidon, Neptune, Here's Minos's uh, plea, and he favors Minos. Um, uh, remember, uh, Poseidon or Neptune is a brother to Jupiter. He's a brother to Zeus. And um, Neptune also happens to be one of the co-rulers of Jupiter-ruled Pisces. Okay, so, uh, so we have uh, Poseidon hearing this plea, and he says, I will, I, I will give you a beautiful bowl. Um, and so from out of the ocean comes this gorgeous gorgeous bull. It's, 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 it's huge. It's robust. It has power, you know, and again, um, obeys or, or is, is obedient to, uh, to, to uh, Minos. And so with this reappearance of this magnificent white bull, um, the two brothers uh, fail uh, in their uh, pursuit of becoming king of Crete, because here again, we see the reappearances of this magnificent white bull, which is looks very much like the same white bull that Europa rode the oceans over and became the queen of Crete. And so this was basically the gods sanctioning uh, 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 Minos's rule. Okay, so everyone's like, oh, wannabe brothers, forget it. Um, King, King Minos, we applaud you and, and we will follow you and you are clearly the designated ruler. And so Minos is happy. Um, but Poseidon says to Minos, I'm gonna lend you this bowl, okay? I'm going to give you this bowl for X amount period of time. And at the end of this period of time, I want you to sacrifice this bowl to me, okay? So you will lead this bowl out and you will sacrifice this bowl to me because that will be your way of acknowledging me as your deity, okay? And so Minus is like, sure, 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 absolutely, of course. Um, so time passes. And Minos is just like looking at this bowl and he's like, this is the most magnificent creature. This is the most extraordinary bowl. How could I, how could I possibly sacrifice this bowl? Like, like lead it like, like, like cattle to slaughter and treat it like any other, you know, member of the herd. It's just so magnificent. Um, I, I can't do it. I, I can't part with this bowl. Um, I'm, I'm going to um, hide this bowl um, in my herd of cattle and I will sacrifice 
an equally wonderful bowl. And Poseidon, Poseidon isn't going to miss it. Um, he's got so many bowls and, um, and he's not going to miss it. And, and actually what's important is the sacrifice, you know, sacrifices after all sort of metaphorical gestures. So, you know, that's what I'm going to go ahead and do. Okay. This is never a good idea. All right. Uh, if Greek mythology teaches us anything, it's never a good idea to go back on your promise, okay, to break a pledge. And as you might recall from earlier podcasts that we've done, Venus, who is the planetary ruler of Taurus and Libra, but uh, nevertheless, the planetary ruler of Taurus, okay, we're talking about Venus and her Taurus rulership here. Um, when you make a pledge, when you make a promise, you don't break it ever. This is something that actually both benefic planets insist on. Uh, Jupiter is also a planet of uh, pledges. Actually, Jupiter is like uh, uh, an oath, okay? Um, pledging of allegiance. That's actually probably the better way to uh, demonstrate Jupiter. You pledge allegiance to. You pledge allegiance to your city-state. You pledge allegiance to a flag. You pledge allegiance to a king. Um, you pledge allegiance. Uh, Jupiter is also the planet of hospitality. You greet strangers and you don't treat them poorly, all right? So, so this is Jupiter. And then Venus is I'm betrothed to you. I gave an oath. I gave a promise, and I will. I will fulfill this. I gave you my word, and I will. I will keep my word. Okay. So this is what the two benefics insist upon. Um, and in Greek mythology, bad things happen when you don't. Um, when when you don't welcome a stranger into your house properly, or when a stranger comes into your house and abducts your bride, like in the case of Paris, and that starts the Trojan War, um, or here where you don't keep your end of the bargain, which is to sacrifice the bull, no matter how beautiful and magnificent, to a god. Um, I think we've all kind of like had moments of pause in our life where maybe someone has loaned us money or, or given us money. Um, and, and so we kind of think, or loaned us an object, a book, a shirt, a sweater, something like that. And we might think, um, oh, well, I can take my time paying this money back. This person's better off than me. They're not going to miss it. Or, oh, I can take my time returning this sweater or this borrowed object. This person's doing so much better than me and has so many sweaters like this and has so many uh, objects like this or, or books like this on their shelves. They're never going to miss that. You know, th th there are those moments. Okay, these are moments that Taurus, by the way, is, is acutely aware of, okay, which is why they never lend things, okay? But this is a moment which is being demonstrated here in the Greek myth. Um, and so Minus has this moment where he's like, Poseidon's a god. He's got plenty of bowls. He's not going to miss this. I'm going to hold on to this. Okay. And, and, and give a substitute. Okay. As I said, never a good idea in Greek mythology, never a good idea in life. And indeed what we have with the zodiac sign of Taurus is the idea of repaying your debts. Okay. That if someone loans you something or you borrow something from someone, it is in your custodianship for a period of time, you know, for your use, for you to wear, uh, for you to wear the sweater at a nice, you know, night or, or for actually for you to wear the sweater because it's a cool night, you give it back in the morning for you to read the book, you give it back after you've read it, uh, for you to repay the debt, you pay it back 
after you spent that money, which you needed because you had come up short or needed to pay bills or something like that. Someone out of the generosity of their spirit has lent you this and the expectation is that you return it. And when you don't return it, that is not a good thing. Now, some people might say, well, we, uh, you know, credit cards don't need that money back or, you know, X amount of money has been given to me or whatever. The government doesn't need that back. A uh, person has more than enough or things like that. The problem with that thinking, and, and, and I know it's a challenge. <laughs> I know it's a challenge. I was a kid in New York for a number of years and you know you had to do whatever you could to stretch that buck and 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 things like that but what happens is that it diminishes you it diminishes you and it uh, diminishes your worth and your value but more than that what it does is that it is a bad form it's rude it's disrespectful it's not showing proper thanks or gratitude to the person who lent you that in the first place. And this is a very Venusian thing. Venus is all about showing the proper gratitude and, and, and the proper reciprocity. Because the idea of money in the ancient world and even nowadays is that money wasn't created to stay put, okay? Money was created to circulate. Okay, it's it's created to circulate through the body of society, through um, the uh, economy of the world. It's made to circulate. It's like blood. It's like oxygen. It circulates within the body. Okay, um, money obviously doesn't circulate within our physical bodies, but borrowing from the idea of the body, like the body politic. Okay, money is meant to circulate through the body. It creates. A healthy society, just like good blood circulation and good oxygen circulation creates a healthy body. Good money circulation creates a healthy society. All right. And so, and so this is what's expected. And this is where Minos um, fails. Okay. He, he doesn't do this and uh, Poseidon sees it. I didn't know what Minos was thinking, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Poseidon sees that he was like basically given, you know, this trashy sacrifice, um, you know, rather than the return of his precious bowl, which was on loan to Minos, which was to uh, show that Minos had the favor of heaven. So when you do something like that, you go from the favor of heaven column to the disfavor of heaven column. Okay. And so, um, Poseidon has a real, you know, mad on about this and, and, and he's, he's insulted and he's, he's furious at, 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 at Minos. Um, Poseidon again is, is Neptune's Greek name. Neptune is the Roman name and Poseidon is, is the Greek. Um, and so Poseidon turns to uh, Aphrodite. Okay. Um, he turns to Aphrodite and he says, I need you um, to curse Minos. Okay. And so this is fascinating because he turns to Aphrodite, who happens to be Venus, who happens to be the ruler of Taurus. And this is all a spat about a bowl. All right. So he turns to Aphrodite and he says, I want you to curse um, Minos. And she's like, well, what did he do? And he explains everything. She's like, oh my goodness, that's awful. Okay. Of course I'll curse him. Um, but actually I'm not going to curse him. And he's like, okay, who are you going to curse? I'm going to curse his wife. Really? Mm-hmm. Just watch me. 
I'll take care of this. Okay, so she turns to uh, Minos's wife, Queen uh, Pasiphae, and he and she, Aphrodite, curses Queen Pasiphae. So she can only curse, all gods can only bless or curse according to the properties or the or 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 the areas of life that they are associated with. Works the same way in astrology. All planets can only bless or curse according to the provinces that they rule over in your astrological chart. So what uh, Aphrodite does, we know that she's the goddess of love, and we know that Aphrodite is the goddess of beauty. So what Aphrodite does is that she puts the love of the beauty of the bowl into Pasiphae's heart, okay? So Pasiphae is all of a sudden like possessed with this lust for this magnificent white bull, okay? And so Venus or Aphrodite, rather than taking it out on Minos, actually knows if you take it out on someone who's close to Minos, whom Minos loves, you cause even more pain. You cause even more anguish. You cause even more agony. So Pasiphae, who who was this very um, uh, beautiful woman and very uh, classy woman held in very high regard, all of a sudden is like trolling around the pastures <laughs> looking at this bowl. Okay, it gets a little, okay, so we'll we'll just sort of like go through this very quickly. So um, she's, so Pasiphae's hanging out in the, in the, in the, in the pastures, trolling around, checking out this bowl. And she turns to Daedalus, who is this great architect, and she asks him um, if he would construct a wooden bowl for her to go inside and and um, and and basically mate with the white bowl. So Daedalus does this, and uh, and so she mates with the white bowl. All right, in this wooden bowl. I don't, uh, okay, it's kind of a Trojan horse thing, but we're doing it with a wooden bowl instead of a horse. Anyway, so uh, the bowl mates with her and she gives birth and she gives birth to a minotaur, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with the um, term or the name minotaur. Minotaur is a savage creature, which is half bull, half man, and eats and devours people, okay? And, and, and you know, once it's born, it runs roughshod over, the, over uh, Crete. It's devouring people and things like this. And so uh, uh, Minos and Pasiphae have to uh, commission Daedalus once again to build a labyrinth, which is a maze, which is underground where the, um, where the uh, minotaur is kept. Um, and, and, so, and, and so that's the way that they corral or, 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 or control the force or the power of the minotaur. Now, obviously, if you look or hear the word or the name minotaur, you can see right away that it's minotaur. So it's Minos's bull. Okay, that's what minotaur translates to exactly, Minos's bull. Okay, and so this is the product of Minos not having sacrificed the bull correctly to Poseidon in a true act of reciprocity. Uh, he is now being cursed with Minos's bull. Um, and so Minos's bull is cannibalistic, or it's not really cannibalistic. It preys on human flesh, okay? And so we see the opposite. We, we see the opposite of this sort of pastoral 
uh, grass-fed, you know, beef, (laughs) which is is the bull in the pasture. And now um, instead of the bull being consumed by people, the bull is consuming people. It is acting opposite to its nature. And it's seen as this rapacious uh, uh, predatory um, figure. And so we go through a whole story, which is the story of the Minotaur and the slaying of the Minotaur by Jason. That's actually not where I wanted to put the focus on today. I actually wanted to put the focus on this idea of what happens when the, um, when, when, when the benefics are not honored uh, in life, when the benefics are not honored in your chart, that when they are not honored, that they take a turn, they take a turn for the worst. And not honored, for instance, in the case of when we're talking about Taurus is reciprocity or the paying back of a debt, the paying back of a loan. Um, and so this, this, is, this is the result. What happens is that Minos, uh, who at some point is at war with Athens, he wins this war with, with, with Athens. And, um, and so he sets up this deal with Athens, uh, with King Aegeus of Athens, that every nine years, King Aegeus has to pick seven young boys and seven young girls to be sent to Crete to be uh, fed to the Minotaur in the labyrinth, okay? That, that, um, that, that uh, uh, in order to feed this um, debt, to Neptune, um, in order to feed the embodiment of this debt to Neptune, seven young men and seven young women have to be uh, sent to Athens and or have to be sent to Crete and put into the labyrinth. Um, and they may escape or whatever for a while, the Minotaur, but the Minotaur eventually hunts them down and, and devours them and seems to be sated with, with seven young boys and seven young girls. Um, and again, this is something which really outrages the citizens of Athens because King Aegeus, uh, I think, like had only one kid, which is like Jason, but doesn't have like more more sons and daughters. And so they're the ones who are um, funding this debt. Okay, so it's their families in which these seven young sons and seven young women are being taken from. So what we're getting here is an image of future heirs that are being sent like cattle to the slaughter to Crete, okay? So again, the bull uh, transforms or or inverts uh, from a peaceful, uh, you know, when it's not getting upside <laughs> in charges, but basically a pastoral or a peaceful figure into one that is rapacious and hungry. And we all know that bulls and cattle do one thing and one thing 24 seven all the time and that's eat. Okay, so now this this appetite is being focused on um, the children. It's being focused on future generations. And here you can see an analogy for a lot of things, how the debt of a society um, is, is passed on to the future generations, um, that if debts aren't repaid or, or good economy isn't uh, maintained, 
um, that is passed on to future generations and the future generations become the sacrificial seven boys and the sacrificial seven girls, which are being fed into the maw of, of the great debt. So this is something to sort of, um, this, is, this is an idea that uh, they were playing around with back then. And it's an idea that is still uh, very pertinent today. But I do, um, I do want to sort of pause here for a moment. I do want to pause here for a moment to talk about the idea of, you know, what was once sacrificed is now being sacrificed too. Okay, um, and 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 this idea of future generations being sacrificed too to uh, to fulfill or to satiate the appetite of this rapacious beast. Um, and I want to bring up Picasso. Okay, I want to bring up the artist Picasso, uh, Pablo Picasso, uh, a Spanish artist. Uh, probably, if he's not the most famous artist of the 20th century, he's one of the most famous artists of the 20th century, a Scorpio. Um, and in true Scorpion fashion, transforms uh, the whole, the way that we even look or understand art. I mean, very few figures have transformed art. You know, ma many artists have created a masterpiece or something which is really, but very few figures have actually transformed all of art. And in his life and in his career, Pablo Picasso, I think we can pretty much say transformed art and the way that we understand art magnificently and dramatically. Picasso was once quoted as saying, quote, if all the ways I have been along were marked on a map and joined with a line, it might represent a minotaur. Okay, I wanna share that quote with you again. If all the ways I have been along were marked on a map and joined with a line, it might represent a minotaur. And for Picasso, if you have any sort of familiarity with his work, the Minotaur or the bull is a figure that keeps showing up again and again and again. And a lot of people say, you know, because it's associated with Spain and, you know, with his verisexuality and, you know, all these sorts of things. Uh, it might also be associated with the fact that uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Picasso has a stellium of planets in Taurus in the 10th house. I know that he's got... Um, uh, I, I'm pretty certain that he has a Saturn and Jupiter and a and a, uh, a Pluto there, I think. And I think there might be one other planet that's there. So it's if it's not a stellium of planets in Taurus and the tenth, it's like three, you know, planets uh, in, in Taurus and the tenth, and they're very very powerful uh, uh, planets, and and they they dominate uh, his tenth house. So so you see a lot of that bull or that Minotaur imagery. Um, with Picasso. But what I wanted to sort of share with you today, you know, when we think of future generations paying this debt to this rapacious uh, hunger, uh, this rapacious hunger that that is a result of not having kept a pledge, of not having um, of not having kept a promise, of not behaving in a way that is good for society. Okay. Um, so that's something that I want you to keep in mind. Um, in 1937, in 1937, uh, Picasso was living in Paris. Uh, and in 1937, Picasso was living in Paris and he was 
commissioned by the Spanish Republic to create a large mural for the 1937 World Fair. And the 1937 World Fair was gonna run from like the end of May to like the end of November or something like this. And so, um, so, so he was commissioned by the Spanish Republic. And this is important because there was a civil war, a very bloody civil war that was taking place in Spain at that time uh, between the uh, nationalists and the Spanish Republic. And so it was the Spanish Republic uh, which was sort of seen as the more uh, liberal side. It was the one that was made up of socialists and anarchists and, 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 and things like this. It was the Spanish Republic that had commissioned Picasso to, to do this mural for this World Fair. And Picasso agreed, but he was like not really into it. He was kind of like, I'm so uninspired, you know, <laughs> or, or, or I'm just like not getting into it. And he was doing different drafts and things like that. When suddenly, when suddenly, on April 23rd in 1937, uh, the Nazi Air Force carried out an aerial bombing on the Spanish town of Guernica. And, and the Nazi forces did this bombing at the request of the Spanish nationalist faction, the other side of the Civil War. Now, there's different versions of this, but you know, some, some of it is like the men were away fighting the civil war, so they weren't in Guernica, which is kind of like this, this village, okay, in, in, in Spain. Um, the other idea or the other thing that is reported to us is that um, women were at market during this time. In fact, Guernica for the most part was populated by women and children, okay, who uh, I think the understanding, the general understanding is that they were at market and there was this furious bombing from the skies, from the Nazis, um, on these helpless, innocent, going about their day, women and children. And so it was, um, it was, it was horrific. There, there, there's no two ways about it. It was completely horrific. And the attack caused controversy because it was a military attack on a civilian town. It wasn't a military target. It wasn't associated with factories or munitions or something like that. It's an attack on a civilian town. Um, the exact number of people killed remains disputed, but it is known that several hundreds died in what was then regarded as an unprecedented war crime. Okay, this, this bombing from the sky on these civilians at market and all of these people are slaughtered and all of these people are killed. And they are for the most part, women and children. So Picasso, in response to this, begins his work on what will probably become will probably come to be known as his greatest masterpiece. The title of it is Guernica, and Guernica in many ways is regarded as the Mona Lisa of the 20th century. It's, it's regarded as the greatest work of art of the 20th century, um, done in a surrealist style. It's not done in a typical, in, 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 a, in a literal style. And what it shows is that on the left hand of what it shows basically are these figures, um, these Picasso figures, these, these fanatical, fantastical figures 
um, of, of, of women screaming up to the heavens. Um, along the bottom of this, of this painting is a man who's been chopped up into pieces, um, who, who lies outstretched, his mouth in horror. He's, he's dead. Um, there is a horse in the middle, which is rearing and buckling up, and it's being stabbed, perhaps by the horns of a bull. Uh, certainly over the body of the horse is, is drawn this kind of like skull, which you can sort of make out. And the horse looks up to the sky, and over the sky is this bare lit light bulb. Okay. It's this bare lit light bulb, over, which is just sort of up in, in the painting. And then to the left of the painting is a bowl. And this bowl is standing and it is not alarmed like the other figures are, but in front of this bowl and it's standing with its, it, 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 it's standing. And in front of this bowl is this woman, you know, she's like, she's, she's holding her child and she's in profile, the child's dead and she's holding it up and she's screaming up to the skies. And it's hard to tell if this bowl is like um, a, a, a dominant or, or an enemy figure, but my suspicion is it's actually a, a sheltering figure because it stands over this woman. It's not standing on her. Um, Picasso has no problem getting, you know, showing people being dismembered or cut up or, you know, whatever. Um, but it, it actually is almost like this sheltering figure as she's crying up, you know, this figure standing, uh, standing there. And it's fascinating uh, because the bowl is very prominent in the left-hand part of this uh, picture. Um, and this woman is, is, is sheltered or protected perhaps by it. That's how I interpret it. So the bulls, it's it's the only figure that's not alarmed. Okay. All the other figures are, are alarmed and shrieking and crying out or in pain. And then above is this, this, this bare light bulb. Okay. So, so we're actually seeing, you know, like on the left hand, you kind of like see these fiery buildings and, and this woman running on out with a torch or, or something like that, you know, to see, or, or uh, like a lamp to see. And, and she's bearing witness to, you know, she's running out through a door and she's in shock and she's bearing witness to these strewn bodies and things like this. And there's this bare light bulb. And I find it fascinating. We see this bowl and we see this bare light bulb. Well, if you remember that Uranus is a planet that is associated with electricity, okay? Uh, Uranus is discovered in 1781. It's discovered at the midpoint between the American War for Independence and the uh, uh, French Revolution. Okay, it's discovered right there at the midpoint. And, um, and, and it is the lightning come down from heaven. That was actually an image used uh, by people in the French Revolution to symbolize revolution, the overthrow of, 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 of kings and, and despotic rulers. Um, and there's even a quote about Benjamin Franklin, you know, who's the ambassador from the United States in Paris during this period of time. And, and a French person refers to um, uh, 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 Franklin as the electric, the, the, the electric ambassador. You know, he, he, he showed us how we can, you know, take lightning, which was always seen as, as a, a sign of divine disfavor. You know, lightning would zap unpredictably and he would take lightning and he could harness it into electricity and make a bulb light up. And so, so the French praised 
uh, uh, Franklin from the success of the American uh, War for Independence as like overthrowing the despotic King George and, and setting up the power of the people. And so this is the height of the enlightenment. So electricity, a lit bulb connected with the enlightenment. Okay. And so this was seen as a very positive aspect of Uranus. Uranus is a planet of revolution and change still in astrology, but it's also a planet of enlightenment. And so here we see this this bare bulb, this electricity in the sky, you know, where one would expect a deity to be or a planet if you're an astrologer, and then this dominant figure of the bulb. Okay. And of course, if you go and look at April 23rd, 1937, you'll see that um, Uranus was in Taurus, was indeed in Taurus. Um, and in fact, if you count off the years uh, between 1937 and 2022, or you just look in your ephemeris as an astrologer, you will see that this is the year of Uranus's return to the place where it was in the sky when Pablo Picasso painted Guernica. Okay, it's exactly 85 years. So it is a Uranus return. Okay, um, so, so this image becomes very pertinent to us now. I mean, certainly you must recognize references from the news. Um, and Uranus is always, Uranus is a wheel. It can, it can be that what was down is up and that, that, that what was up is now down. So it's the turn of the wheel. It's, it's an overthrow. Um, wheel of fortune, of fortuna, you know, the vicissitudes of fortune. You could be on top of the wheel, wheel one day and at the bottom of it the next. Okay, but revolution is not just the overthrow. Revolution was also in the 1600s, an English astronomical term referring to a planet completing its orbit around uh, around the uh, sun and returning to where it was in the sky at the beginning of its of its orbit. So Uranus is not only the overthrow of something, but it can be the return of something. And here we have Uranus return in Taurus uh, as from an astrologer's eye, depicted here in the painting. I really don't think that Picasso meant to do it. I think it's one of those marvelous astrological synchronicities um, and, and, and how it is playing out in our world today. Um, Guernica was really an unprecedented uh, war crime. Um, and we have had a recent experience of this with the bombing of the hospitals uh, in Ukraine and, and the killing of women and children and, and citizens on a, on a colossal level. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Um, Guernica was hung in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and Picasso said it was going to stay in the Metropolitan Museum of Art until the civil war in Spain had either ended or had been resolved. And um, after he died, and in 1981, uh, with the death of Franco, uh, Guernica actually travels from the Metropolitan Museum of Art and is now housed in Spain. From that painting was a tapestry that was commissioned by the Rockefellers. Um, it was actually uh, commissioned by Nelson Rockefeller in 1955, and it has, it has hung in the UN uh, until February of last year when it mysteriously disappeared and everyone was really shocked, you know, like, where did it go? And then it was restored in February of this year, 2022, um, 
uh, simultaneous with the return of <laughs> Uranus to where it was um, at the time of the uh, of the bombing, or or in 1937, <clears throat> and it had actually been taken out for cleaning and, and restoration. But but um, a Rockefeller descendant said that the UN will remain the artwork's permanent home. And he's talking here not about the painting, but of the tapestry of Guernica, which is proudly hung in the UN to signify the horrors of war. Rockefeller said that uh, the UN will remain the artwork's permanent home, though he hopes to loan the piece to other institutions as well in an effort to reach a broader segment of the world's population and magnify its ability to touch lives and to educate. So again, we get the loaning thing, you know, that, that, that this tapestry will go out and it will be returned and with, with the understanding that it will uh, uh, spread the message of, of, um, of what it has to say. The final quote that he made was, the Guernica tapestry with its probing symbolism, its depiction of horrific aspects of human nature, wrestles with the cruelty, darkness, and also a seed of hope within humanity, unquote. Um, Rockefeller finished by saying, it is meant to be experienced and interpreted with Picasso refusing to share its message when asked. And that's, that's, that's an interesting thing. Picasso was often interviewed, like, what is the message of Guernica? What, what do these things symbolize? And like a true artist, it's like you don't explain it, um, you experience it. And so he is like, look at it and you tell me what you feel or, or you tell yourself what you feel. This is the beauty of art. This is what makes art art. It's not going to be explained away or, or turned into propaganda or cataloged somewhere, you know, like this painting means this and, and whatever. We, we, like an astrological chart, we, we contemplate the symbolism and we work with interpretations. But I think what's so important about the image of Guernica not only because of it was created, it was created by the way in May in the month of Taurus with Uranus in Taurus. Okay, and 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 we are now talking about this eclipse in the Uranus return um, to where it was in 1937 at, at the creation of it. But I think what's also here, what I would add or what I would offer as part of an interpretation here, is the idea of um, that if you don't honor if you don't pay back debt, if you don't participate in the circulation of what is good in society to make society, the body of society, healthy and good. And this has gone from just our society to the entire planet because we're talking about Earth here. Okay, so we're actually talking about the planet Earth. You know, if you don't do what you can um, to make Earth a better place. We've heard this all of our lives, you know, make the world a better place than, than what you saw when you showed up here. Well, now it's taken on very dire uh, stakes. We're playing for very, very high stakes when people can all of a sudden go nuclear or talk about going nuclear. And it's not just an idle threat. It actually could be a possibility. Or when um, the atmosphere is suffering or, or climate or all those things, whatever your positions are on that, uh, the earth is now in the hands of us and not in the hands of God. Okay, so it's in our hands. We have been lent earth. Okay, um, and how is it doing under our custodianship? How is it doing under our cur curatorship? But then there's an added message, which also comes from the notion of, of, of Guernica and it also comes from the story of Minos, which is 
if you don't take care of this, if you don't honor the pledge, if you don't honor the promise, then that debt becomes an open maw, okay? And it feeds off the lives of future generations, okay? And so, you know, it's not only a debt that we sort of owe the planet, which has housed us, uh, and a debt that we owe each other in terms of creating good society, but it's also a debt. It's also a debt that we owe the future generations uh, that, that will come afterwards and whom we will never meet, which of course gets back to the placement of Saturn in, in Aquarius. Um, but these are the things that I want you to sort of contemplate. These are the things that I want you to contemplate, how you, you honor your pledges. We can't do this on a world scale. We're not world leaders. We're not huge captains of industry. Um, you know, uh, many of us aren't great influencers and, and maybe we, we influence through our spirituality or our, who we do business with or our politics or whatever. There are different ways to do that, but we're not in charge of the world, although we're in the very frustrated, frustrating position of being in charge of the world's uh, curatorship, where each of us has a responsibility towards the care of, of this world that we live in. And that's where we look. We may not be able to affect things on an international or large or global level, but this is also the story of Taurus. Taurus is about your territory. It's about your turf. It's about your corner of the world. And that from your corner of the world, you affect the other corners of the world. You affect the other spaces that are around you. So you might not be able to say, you know, I'm going to do this or that or affect this change or whatever. But if you make your corner of the world a better place, if you make your corner of the world a better place, then the world is made better just as a result of it. Your weekly horoscope is brought to you by Astrology Hub. If you'd like more extended personalized guidance from Christopher by Sunsign and Rising, make sure you subscribe to receive the free weekly horoscope delivered via email to your inbox each Sunday. Just go to astrologyhub.com slash horoscope and start receiving even more free personalized guidance today. That's astrologyhub.com slash horoscope. And if you love what we do and would like to support our work, please subscribe to the podcast, give us some stars, and if you feel inclined, leave us a review. It does so much to help us get quality astrology out to the world, and we're grateful for all the time that you take to do this. Thank you for listening in today, and as always, thank you for making astrology a part of your life.